From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, FEM2 evolves at ESCRS. So it is one ring enclosed by another ring enclosed by another thicker epinucleus coat. First this. If time and money were no object, you'd probably go to a lot of meetings. Not just ASCRS, but ESCRS, APACRS, AAO, Hawaiian Eye, and Winter Update, and you'd learn a ton. But money is an issue, and time an even bigger one. That's why I go to all of those meetings for you. Speak with the presenters you'd like best, and get them to distill their talks down to just a few minutes. You can see all of these interviews at no cost at the iWorld Replay website. Just go to ewreplay.org, E-W-R-E-P-L-A-Y.org, and enjoy. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the ESCRS annual meeting in London. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today, we hear from Sonia Yu on tweaking femto patterns for irregular astigmatism, and Abe Anchail Vazavada on customizing femto patterns for dense lenses. I'm here with one of my buddies, Sonia Yu. Sonia, we're going to be talking about... Uh, the treatment of astigmatism with the femtosecond laser, something that I'm doing, something that you're doing. Tell me what your approach to this topic is. Um, thanks, Josh, for having me here, first of all. Um, usually when I look at astigmatism, I see whether or not it's regular or irregular. And the femtosecond laser can be used to treat either one of these. Um, specifically for irregular astigmatism, uh, the topic that I'm going to be covering today is talking about uh, how to treat with a femto laser with arcuate incisions, uh, either with non-orthogonal axes. So, for example, if you're going to treat a skewed uh, radial axis for astigmatism, and uh, potentially if you have different magnitudes of astigmatism above and uh, below the horizontal line, you may be able to um, adjust the arc lengths of the incision, for example. So let, let's let's sort of break break this down. First question is: Let's say that I have a, a patient comes in with astigmatism with non-orthogonal axes, and you know how can I evaluate whether this is someone who's a potential candidate? First of all, for astigmatic treatment, how do I know? that their astigmatism is sufficiently regular, you know, that, that I can do something. So one way is um, just looking at the spectacle corrected vision. So if the spectacle corrected vision is good, then uh, you know that you can expect to get maybe in that range um, if you treat them with the AK incisions. Your, your, your point being that spectacle correction is always an orthogonal regular treatment and if they're getting a good result from that, then that's an indicator that they're within a reasonable treatment range with the femtosecond laser. That's for exactly right. Yeah, that's uh, carry exactly on, right. please. Um, most of the irregular astigmatism that I'm talking about is surgically induced. Um, 
I'm not talking about treating irregularly irregular stigmatism like you might see in severe ocular surface disease. Uh, I'm talking about uh, surgically induced astigmatism for the lar uh, for the most part. Um, for example, after penetrating keratoplasty. And um, so, what 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 are the options that that I have? Someone comes in. And you know they're they're steep. Not not to give angles. Let's say they're steep at four o'clock and they're steep at eight o'clock. Um, what are some of the things that I can do in terms of modifying my femto treatment to account for this? Well, the beauty of the femto second laser is that you can adjust the axes, so you can make your axes at four o'clock and eight o'clock rather than four o'clock and ten o'clock for my for my arcuates. Exactly, and if you find that you have a higher magnitude of astigmatism at the 8 o'clock axis, you may enlarge or lengthen the arc length in that cut versus the one that's at 4 o'clock. So that the arcuate at, at 8 would physically uh, be, would, would subtend more degrees of arc that's right. than, than the one at uh, 4. Exactly. That's a really cool level of flexibility. And you were doing this clinically? We're doing it clinically. Um, there are a number of different laser platforms that allow you to do this. Um, the LASIK femto lasers as well as the cataract femto lasers can can allow you to start to play with these uh, metrics and and get a, a little more custom astigmatism treatment for your patient. Now there there are no nomograms that that I can access that is going to let me play with this sort of thing. How do you figure out what to do? I mean obviously I assume that you're aiming on the conservative side. It's like adding salt to soup. You can always do more later. But how how do you figure how do you plan things out? Well, that's the art of this. Um, we have a working nomogram for regular astigmatism and I would say that as far as nomograms go, our nomogram for uh, naturally occurring astigmatism is a little tighter, better results than um, that of um, uh, non-naturally occurring or post-surgical astigmatism. But that being said, we can start with that as our uh, sort of um, default nomogram and then make a little bit of adjustments. But there is some art involved in it. But this is really, really cool stuff. Uh, Sonia, thank you very much for sharing this and for being so generous with your time with us today. All right. Thanks, Josh. I'm here with Abe and Shail Vazavada. Abe, let, let me let me ask you, uh, since you you don't mind my saying, you've been in practice a little bit longer. Femto second uh, laser is a is a is a newer tool for us both. Uh, how is it affecting your practice? And then Shail, you 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 performed a uh, study dealing with femtosecond. I don't want to spoil your uh, uh, thunder. I'm going to have you talk about that, that too. But let me start out with you, Abe. I think the femtosecond technology, uh, when I acquired it a year and four months ago, I was a little bit skeptical and was not sure have I done the right decision. But in two or three months, I realized that it's really so predictable and so consistent that I'm able to now advise my patients with confidence that it is really for an improved precision and a reduced risk intraoperatively that this technology gives that now uh, before I say anything at the moment I'm doing more than 30% of my cataract operations with femtosecond assisted phacoemulsification so I think uh, it has affected my practice gradually in this year and four months 
very well, not in terms of its uh, number of patients coming f and opting for femtosecond, but for me as a clinician and academician, I find it that uh, the, the centration of the capsular axis, which I center on the capsular bag or a limbal, uh, which is what I sh think it should be, allows the IOL to remain uh, more or less in the same position. There is a very little decentration of any of these three axes. So my, my visual predictable refractive outcome and the visual performance is, is really improved. I don't have a data on it at this stage, but we are acquiring it and hopefully in, in six months time we will be able to see that. But I, I, I can see uh, distinctly the advantages of a improved vision, not only in immediate post of time, but, but at least for six months down the line that I, I, I'm, I'm noticing it. And for me, this is very important for uh, toric and multifocal lens. In my practice, my percentage of toric and multifocal combined is about 45%. It used to be about 30% plus, but with the femtosecond, I've been able to offer these toric IOLs and multifocal IOLs uh, with greater confidence. And the patient acceptance has been um, very, very good. I never expected this in my, my Indian scenario that the patients uh, will accept this with the with increased fees uh, that the patient has. The patient has to pay $750 more than their basic, and I was not sure, but, but I think the, the results are, are showing and, and it's spreading. And I'm very happy that it has really impacted uh, my every aspect of uh, practice very well. My, my staff, my counselors, my, everybody is so pleased. And they, they all talk with confidence because they see the patients coming in and out with a smile on their face. So I'm very happy. Okay. So let, let me let me ask you, you know, w most of the time when we talk about the femtosecond laser, we're talking about really pretty standard cases. You know, maybe some a cylinder, um, and consistency is 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 the topic that that comes up. But for a lot of us, we're really eager to use the femtosecond laser for cases that we know are going to be complex because we can do a lot of the surgery before we even go in with the phaco. Now, this is something that you've studied. Can I get you to talk about your study and what your, your, your findings are? Uh, thank you so much, first of all. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. The point uh, that everyone is more keen to know about is, does the femtosecond laser help in cases where we are struggling currently using our manual techniques? Uh, and so, to study that, we decided to study uh, the posterior polar cataract cases, uh, which tend to have a very high posterior capsule rupture rate and intraoperative complications, which lead to suboptimal visual outcomes in the postoperative period. Different hydro procedures have been devised the conventional hydro delineation, the inside out hydro delineation, and the progress of these techniques over the years have brought down rupture rates to somewhere between the range of 8 to 15 percent. But still we are not there as good as we want to be. Using the Lensex femtosecond laser platform, 
uh, we devised a new kind of lens division technique where we divide the lens matter in posterior polar cataracts into three cylindrical ring patterns. So it is one ring enclosed by another ring enclosed by another thicker epinucleus coat. This allows us to avoid any kind of hydro procedure. So no hydro delineation required at any point. And that is why what that is what we described it as femtodelineation. These three concentric rings are sharply demarcated as bowls one inside the other epinucleus coat. After removing the capsulorexis, we can directly go ahead to removing these rings layer by layer. So as each ring is being removed, it is being cushioned by another epinuclear plate one after the other. And so until the very last end, until the final epinuclear plate has been removed, we avoid any intraocular fluctuations inside the anterior chamber and avoid any kind of fluid wave passing for the, towards the posterior capsule, which may prevent or reduce the rate of posterior capsule rupture. Uh, in our data, we found that in the 45 eyes that we have operated using this femtosecond uh, femtodelineation technique using the LensX femtosecond platform, we have had only one posterior capsule dehiscence, which was uncovered on removing the final epinuclear plate. Now, because of these fem of the femtodelineation, that dehiscence was very small and we could convert it into a very strong posterior capsulorexis and put an IOL in the bag. So I think the femtosecond laser platform is, is, is going with, with its improvements in the laser delivery techniques, is going to go in a long way in managing these difficult and complicated cases. And we particularly find it extremely useful for dealing with posterior polar cataracts. It's very, very clever, Shail. So let, let, let me just, just clarify something for yeah. my, my own self. Typically with a lens softening pattern, all of the, the, the softening is done to the same depth. But in your pattern, the, the central portion does not go as deep as the next portion, which is not as deep as the final I, one. I think that's, that's a very good point that you've made. Yeah, so the cylindrical pattern is done layer by layer, and we can judge the depth and adjust the depth of each cylindrical pattern on the live anterior segment OCT image of the lens matter. So you are absolutely right. Each layer is at a different depth. The central is probably less deeper than the second ring, and compared to the last ring. Really, really clever stuff. Shail, thank you so, so much for you know, bringing this here and, and for being, and Abe too, for being so generous with your time with us today. Thank you, thank you so much. Sonia Yu is professor of ophthalmology at Bascom Palmer at the University of Miami in Miami, Florida. Abe and Shail Vazavada come to us from Ahmedabad, India. Ask questions of Dr. Yu or Dr. Vazavada or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.